already done it in your board meeting or your session or I'm going to start that again so it makes it easier on Phil Martin, who does the recording for us. Good morning, everyone. My name is Matt Cook, and I'm the Assistant Director for the Center for Healthy Churches. I'd like to welcome you to the Changing Church webinar. The goal of this webinar is to equip ministers and churches with the kind of insights that they need in the midst of all of the big adaptive changes that face the church in this portion of 21st century and hopefully the waning stages of the pandemic and everything else that's going on, because goodness knows, even before the pandemic, it's not like everything was, you know, completely stable and predictable. Uh, we are very grateful that you've decided to join us this morning. Um, Matt Homeyer, um, Assistant Dean at Tritt Seminary, is going to talk about our theme and our topic here in just a little bit before I hand over the hosting privileges to him. I want to thank the organizations that helped make this webinar a reality. Obviously, we're very grateful for the good work of Truett Seminary and the Truett Church Network. I am a proud alum of Truett Seminary, so excited about that partnership. Um, we are grateful for the good work of the Church Network. Their CEO, Phil Martin, is on with us this morning. They host all of the past recordings of the webinar. The Presbyterian Foundation, Baptist News Global, Gardner-Webb Divinity School, the Charlie Kerb Center for Faith Leadership at Belmont University, the Lake Institute for Faith and Giving, um, all and New Matrix, our wonderful partner out on the West Coast, all of these organizations church facing and trying to equip churches to do the good work that they're called to do in their particular contexts. With that little bit of introduction, um, I'm going to go off screen and uh, hand over the hosting privileges to Matt Homeyer. So thanks, all Matt. Right. Thanks, Matt Cook. We appreciate you, friend. Uh, well, welcome, everybody. We are glad you were here today. This is the third of the um, uh, of, of three conversations, I'm sorry, I'm doing the hosting and this today. So my, my mind was a little bit divided there for a minute. Um, this is the third of three conversations and the sun has just come out in Waco, Texas in my window. So I'm gonna have to be uh, avoiding the sun a little bit. But third of three conversations where we're talking about this, a new generation of ministers and our previous conversations, we've talked about how that often means young, but it doesn't always mean young anymore as more, more and more people are coming to ministry midlife, mid-career, but largely focusing on a, a younger generation of minister. And, and how do we, what we've talked about previously, how do we train them? Um, where are they coming from? How are they receiving call? And both through traditional, non-traditional means, how are we training them for ministry and calling them up? Um, we talked last week about staffing. How are we finding them? How are we uh, incorporating them to church and other ministries? And how do we do that well? And then this week, we kind of continue that trajectory from calling and training to calling into the church, into ministry. And now once they're in ministry, how do we equip, support, and encourage them for the task? And we are joined by two friends of mine, which I'm so glad y'all have been able to join us. Um, first is Son Sonia Habimana, who is the strategic lead at Uptick. Sonia and I have worked together with Uptick. She'll tell us a little more about that in a minute. Um, out of Virginia, and we're thankful uh, for Sonia being here today. Uh, we're also joined by Reverend Aaron Moore. Um, Aaron is the uh, pastor of equipping ministry at Concord Church in Dallas, um, and we have recently started working together to train some uh, young Truett grads and others, and he has also been trained well as a young minister in his life and is now giving back to others, and uh, when we thought about panelists for this, they were the first two that I hoped would be willing to join us. And we're really glad y'all did. Um, so let's start us off and just kind of set the stage. Um, 
Aaron and Sonia, help us know what your church and your group do. How are you going about training a young generation of ministers? Tell us about your ministry. Aaron, why don't you start us off? Absolutely. Uh, hey, everybody. My name is uh, Aaron Moore, pastor of Equipping at Concord Church. Um, and so the way that we have been involved in really training this, this next generation of ministers, it really goes back to um, really our founding pastor, his legacy, Dr. E.K. Bailey. Uh, he's known as the godfather of African-American expository preaching. We host a preaching conference every year, expository preaching. But a little known part of his legacy is that uh, under his leadership and his 30-year ministry, there was over 100 senior pastors that came from underneath his leadership, right? And so there was kind of this invisible um, kind of pipeline that was developing through within our church. And so under our current senior pastor, Dr. Brian Carter, he wanted to formalize what was really taking place already, right? And so the whole thought process behind what we do is to give practical ministry experience to, uh, to, to, to young seminarians, right? And so to, to bring them in um, and allow them to stick their finger in the electrical socket and, and allow uh, really allow them to experience the fullness of ministry. And so what we've recently done uh, is for the first time in our church's history is we've started a pastoral residency program, right? We have, we're in partnership, of course, with Truett Seminary. And the whole goal is, is for us to walk them through our five primary pillars of the program um, and to give them evaluation along the way um, and to help them, to stamp them with our DNA and to send them out to serve wherever God calls them uh, in, in the kingdom. So it's a unique, unique uh, uh, opportunity just because of where we're located in the city of Dallas. And we are a historic African-American church uh, right here in, in South Dallas. So it gives them a unique perspective of ministry. But at the same time, we allow them uh, to really uh, to, to, to get there really cut their teeth in ministry while they're learning uh, and the theoretical becomes practical. So that's that's our commitment um, to, to what we're doing to train the next generations of pastors through our pastoral residency program. And Aaron, tell us how that worked in your life before you came to Concord. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. I So I am a product of a pastoral residency. Um, so um, in 2016, um, uh, I accepted a call to uh, the Progressive Baptist Church in Chicago, Illinois, uh, under the leadership of Dr. Reverend Dr. Charlie Dates. Um, this was this is a 102 year old uh, church on the south side of Chicago, um, uh, really uh, in a underserved community, but a rich history uh, within the church. As a matter of fact, uh, the founding pastor of this church was instrumental in starting, along with Dr. King and Gardner Sue Taylor. The, uh, the Progressive Baptist Convention. And so what, what, I, what I was able to do during those three uh, and a half years I was, I was a pastoral resident was I went to school. <laughs> I had a full-time load at uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, which was our partner, um, and also uh, had, had a role in doing just about anything within the church. So from, from parking cars to shoveling snow uh, to, 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 to changing the light bulbs, to preaching on Sunday mornings, to developing sermon series, to leading Bible studies, um, it was all a part of uh, all a part of my pastoral development. And really, I think the 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 big thing was I did I did twelve funerals during my time period there, um, preached and officiated them. I officiated four weddings uh, while being there, um, and did uh, so many uh, hospital visits. 
uh, this was pre-pandemic, um, and the, the church also had a senior living facility. So able to, um, which is really where, uh, you know, I kind of honed uh, my, my ability to, to kind of preach and teach early on was at the senior living facility, serving communion, uh, preaching and caring for people. And so um, those, those things um, really helped me uh, kind of provide. I'm a big fan. I am a, listen, I'm a local church guy. And, and one of the things that I, I, am, I, I long to see even more is more of a partnership between the academy and the local church, um, because I just believe that the academy will be, be sure that you're a scholar, but the church helps you become a shepherd. And so those, that's been the story of my life, of those two entities coming together and, and helping uh, to, to produce fruit. So if I mess it up from here, it isn't because I've had some good people pour it into me, had, had, had good people pour it into me. It's all my fault. So, but that's my journey. And, and so now I, it's my duty to, to pay it forward as a director of our residency program. That's excellent, Aaron. I definitely wanted to point that out that you've both been on both ends of this and yes. uh, have a lot to share there. Sonia, tell us some about Uptick and your work there. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, Uptick is an organization, a ministry that is under the Baptist General Association of Virginia. And it was started uh, back in the early 2000s. Our executive director, uh, Dr. John Upton, was looking at Baptist churches throughout Virginia. And one of the trends they noticed was that young pastors were coming in, pastoring for a few years, and they were getting burnt out and really frustrated and they felt isolated and alone and they felt like they didn't have anybody to turn to. And so they would eventually leave the pastorate and leave ministry. And so what uh, Dr. Upton did is that he said something needed to happen so we could make sure that there would be pastors and churches in the future for the today and for years to come. So he started, uh, he called on Dr. John Chandler who is the uh, who was the leader of Uptick, and he had Dr. John Chandler uh, begin and start a ministry called Uptick. Uptick is a ministry where we take young leaders, Christian leaders, and pastors. So we take people who work full time in the church. We work with pastors who are in the church um, between the ages of 25 and 35, and our mission our mission is to bring them into a cohort. We work with operates across nine months and we invest in them deeply uh, to help them form healthy networks of support. So the cohort and the people they meet in there become networks of support for them, um, help them be able to create healthy relationships with their own families. And we want to provide them with an overall community that can provide them support so that they don't feel isolated, provide them with tools and wisdom that will help them determine their trajectory, learn to listen to God, and figure out what their trajectory is going uh, into the future. And then also we've developed uh, with them a level of resilience, because if you have the tools and you have a network and you have a community, this helps you develop resilience in growing and learning as you're going along your trajectory um, in your chosen uh, field into whether be it a pastorate or a Christian leader. And so we've been doing that for about 15 years. Uh, we operate, as I said, in a cohort that goes across nine months. And within that time and within that space, they there's about 12 of them that will start together. 
We break them down into small huddles and we have huddles. We do a lot of huddling together um, because this creates the intimacy for them to be vulnerable with each other and to open up to each other. And where there is vulnerability and connection and uh, conversation, relationship forms. And if those relationships are held deeply across a period of time, they can become lasting relationships. That's great. Thank you, Sonia. And I, I think uh, uptick in many circles has become kind of the Cadillac of young leadership development, kind of aiming at that 25 to 33 and uh, has people flock to it from all over wanting to be a part of it um, and does a great job. So we have kind of two mechanisms here uh, with Aaron and Sonia and, and what they represent, somewhat of a uh, grounded in the local church. How might a local church do this? Um, and then how might more of a regional group of churches or denomination or any number of things send several young ministers to be part? The end result being very, very similar. Um, cohort-based learning, relational development, skill-based development, and practical training all at the same time. Um, so we've talked some about mechanism, how y'all are doing that. Um, I mean, what are the most important resources as you look at young ministers starting out? And you're designing what you do and thinking about what you do. What are the most important resources you want to pour in to young ministers that you think, I mean, Sonia, you use the term resilient to make them resilient and set them up for long-term vibrant ministry. Yeah, so what we want to do is, um, someone was just mentioning, sounds like this is a Bob Dale program. It was related from Bob Dale. It's probably the next generation of that. Um, but what we really, what we're really trying to do with them as to create the resilience, we want to provide um, a discipling for them. And so it's important to us that we not just provide information. Many of them have been to seminary. They have lots of information. So what we do is we want to provide them with the opportunity to have experiences uh, in this cohort that will help them learn how to be able to listen to God, how to be able to foster the really good relationship. So we do provide them some information, skills, training, out in the conversations we have, to be able to have conversations with people of wisdom. So we bring in experts from various places so they can talk about what's going on. And then we encourage them to have those conversations, uh, to have those experiences in the settings that they are, where they, uh, where they are working. And then when we go out into the future, we invite them to innovate um, and take what we've taught them and, and do it elsewhere so that we can try to keep a movemental and develop a movemental aspect to what Uptick is doing. That's great. Does that provide a little more clarity there, Matt? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that that that's fantastic. I like I, I will add to that. I think one the, the cohort is is incredible for amazing for young pastors in their future development. I, I love that. Um, you might get a call from me. Um, but so, so, so moving forward. <laughs> no, so the way that we we try to do it here at Concord, uh, first and foremost, um, we just really believe that in, in order to have any sustainability in ministry, you have to have a vibrant personal walk with God. Um, so we we want to make sure that we are developing uh, good messengers um, along the way. So we have five pillars that I mentioned earlier. Um, and these are really the five things that we want to impart in them personally and also within their ministry. First is to worship passionately. The second is to, uh, to grow intentionally. The third um, is to serve selflessly. 
Um, the fourth is to uh, to give generously. And the fifth is to lead courageously. Right. So those are the five pillars, five things that we really try to resources that we really try to impart in our program. Everything that we do is designed around that. Right. So that's also kind of the five pillars of leadership within our church. And so what we what we have done is, is we've we've separated, divided it into kind of quarters and they spend a quarter in, in each one of those pillars where not only are they focusing on the theology and philosophy of worship within the context of the church. But we have, there's, there's three things that we make sure that we offer them um, every quarter. First and foremost is we're giving them every week we have, we, they're immersed within the life of our church, right? So they're in all the staff meetings, they're in all the, uh, all the ministry meetings. Uh, but the other side of that is we have a, on Tuesdays, we have our, our, our uh, cohort meeting. Uh, where we talk through what they're learning, right? We're, we're, we're really having a conversation. And then on Wednesday, we have one-on-ones where this is their time for them to share with me um, how they feel like they can grow, what, what areas of struggle. It's a confidential time that we talk through together. And then every quarter, they get three things from us. First, they have a critical conversation. They're going to have a critical conversation with a pastor from somewhere around the country about a, a very uh, pertinent topic in ministry. Our first topic is the pastor's heart. Um, and, and that'll be, that'll be led by our senior pastor. Right. And then the second thing that they get from us is they get an assessment of, of kind of how they've been doing. Um, and this assessment is broken, broken, broken down. This is kind of hands-on training, uh, how they've been doing, uh, within their particular area. And then third, they get a short, uh, written, um, assessment where they get an opportunity to verbal, to, to basically communicate, uh, their convictions around what we've talked through, uh, throughout the quarter. And so through that process, that's what we've been trying to make sure that we, have, when we say we want to stamp them with our DNA, the residency program, those are the things that we want to make sure that they have an internal uh, commitment to God and they serve out of the overflow of that relationship, right? Um, and through that, there there's relationships within the life of the church. There's relationships through our networks that we've been able to establish with them and for them and kind of help them as they move forward in their call. So those are re resilience, perseverance, all those things, man, we, we are, we're just trying to, to, to make sure that they, that they uh, are able to establish those things. Yep. You know, it, so it, at Truett, we've developed stealing from, from both of you actually, um, and borrowing, right? We borrow in ministry. We don't steal, but, uh, not everyone can get to Virginia. Not everyone can be in a residency, but we've formed uh, huddles, which is pretty common cohort language that are really scaled down um, where we focus on essentially two things in an hour and a half every other week. We've got about half of our graduates that have graduated the last three years in one of these Truett Church Network huddles of, you know, what is God, what, what is God up to in your life? Where do you see the spirit moving and how are you responding to that kind of that's common leadership development stuff and then what is a one of the group members brings a problem in ministry a challenge in ministry that they're facing and we all kind of break it down and discuss it together and we just put that on repeat pretty much over the year um, and it's all on zoom and everyone you know we kind of work on forming those relationships what is what i love about these is um you're not well, well i'm teaching a life and work of the pastor class right now at Truett, and we answered two questions who is a pastor called to be? Who are we called to be? And then what are we called to do? Y'all are really helping them much more. They're learning what to do in ministry. 
Y'all are helping them deepen and broaden that who are we called to be and how do we last? <laughs> how do we not become malformed in who we are over these first difficult years? Um, and, and as opposed to let's all read a book together, let's work on our hard skills. Um, reading books is great. I read a lot of them. Um, it creates that network that, that goes on, which I think is, uh, that's also much more accessible if you don't have the size of Concord or the relational connectedness of uptick, you're in a rural church somewhere, you're in a smaller church, you can start with young leaders on some of those things. You don't have to know the answers. Get them with people, get them in relationships, get them talking about what they're learning and experiencing with others and, and grow. The spirit blesses that, I think I would say in my language. Um, what a, So um, what have you learned about leadership development through your work? maybe ask that two parts. What are you learning in your work in this? And what are you learning from the young ministers? How is that blessing your life? And again, so if anyone think, has uh, anyone has questions, put them in the chat. We'll get to those. So in terms of, you know, what, what am I learning? And, you know, what are we learning from the young uh, leaders is that part of what we try to impart to them is what we call the five capitals. And that is that there are five major things that Jesus dealt with and utilized in his life. And that was spiritual capital, relational capital, physical, cap physical capital. What is it all around you and how do you utilize that intellectual capital and financial capital? And so one of the things that we have learned um, is that if we look at how Jesus did things and that we, and Jesus wanted us to follow him is to get others to, to follow that. First and foremost, out of spiritual capital, that is the foundation for what we do. And then he utilized, uh, he built relationships and utilized those relationships to go out into the world. And so we try to get our young leaders to understand that same type of patterning and to look at that in their life and learning how to listen to God. So over the years, what we have found was that when we first started, we were doing a lot of information and we were providing them information, but we find seminary does that, it does it well. They don't need additional information. What they need are the practices that they need to have in their personal life to live from day to day, to be able to sustain themselves in ministry ensure they have healthy relationships and healthy relationship with family. So just as Matt was talking about a second ago, when we huddle, after we talk about various topics, we come together in those huddles and we talk about what is God saying to you? What is he pricking your heart to do? We also practice with them doing uh, the story of then, now, and future. And that is, what has God said to you about your past? What did he tell you and how did he form you in the past? What is he saying to you right now? And then we also spend time getting them to focus on what is God telling you about your future? What things is he pricking your heart about? And so everything's about a constant conversation with God to ensure that healthy development of relationship with God and also then the healthy development of relationship with others and then making sure you're building your community whereby all of these tools and practices and wisdom help support and guide you in that. Which is a lot of discipleship, right? I mean, this is designed for ministers, but ministers could be able to apply this into their to their discipleship program, to their lay leaders and others. It's replicable and probably should be 
as we seek to grow leaders in the church. That's excellent. Absolutely, it is. We want them to learn this discipling process and to use it in their churches, in their communities, wherever they are. We want them, and we and it's it's a practical thing that they can learn. And so, even though um, we're the Baptist General Association of Virginia, we take uh, young leaders and pastors in from all denominations. We're not limited to working with the Baptists. And then we also encourage them to take it out. And we will also foster people getting one started, helping them to learn how to start where they are. And when they come to us, the one thing we want to impress upon them also is that we want to lavish this in and pour into their lives. So they pay nothing for this program, nothing for the lodging when they come for major gatherings, nothing for the food that they eat, nothing for the experience share with them during that time because we want them to know that somebody cares about them, will pour into them. And in the future, we tell them, pay it forward, do this for others, make it happen for others. And so we, uh, through that, uh, we find that we are developing quite a good and well-connected community of what we call Uptick alumni. Excellent, thank you. That is, that is great. Once again, Sonia, you might be getting a call from me because you just, <laughs> Just said my favorite price. All right, free. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so no, uh, uh, I I love what what Sonia said. The whole the discipleship piece, right? And and you know we we really value here at Concord Church um, this whole idea of reverse mentoring as well, right? And so one of the the first things that we made sure uh, uh, we made very clear to our residents is that um, Concord ain't heaven. All right, this is not heaven. So we we. We absolutely have some blind spots um, and we want to make sure that that you also have fresh eyes on, on, on everything. Right. And so I think the biggest thing that, that one of the biggest things that, I, that we've learned from our residents thus far is to make sure, uh, in the words of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, be true to what you say you are on paper. Right. And so it's this it's this whole idea of consistency between the mission um, and our messaging, this this consistency between the mission and how we're moving to, to bring those things forward. And it's just a simple question that they've asked in their in their two, uh, three weeks of being here. And it is, why do you guys do it that way? Just a simple question. Right. And so that question forces us to be able to, to go back and say, oh, wow. So are we, is this a sacred cow? Like, are we, is this a golden calf that we have in our church um, that really isn't producing disciple, really isn't bearing fruit? Or is it something, let's give you the history behind why we do, because that's important to context is, is very important. So really learning, they really showed us to really evaluate and take our convictions to their end, right? That's the, that's the one thing. And to be able to articulate be able to articulate to a, a a new member as we as we walk through this whole process of assimilation why we do what we do right what wh where was this birth how is how has it evolved and what what um, biblical principle what what tool in discipleship is this helping uh, to to pour into people um, so that's the one thing we've learned and then two you know we've been blessed with some really amazing students right and so the the this whole concept of of every bringing all that you are into ministry, right? And, and making sure that, that God doesn't waste any experiences in your life and making sure they bring that in. So there's there's been opportunities for them to speak into certain things. And they're able to tell us that um, when you gave me this assignment, 
um, this was my experience along the way. Um, and so it's it's really shown us um, how to how to real how we can reach a next generation of pastors, right? Next generation of 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 people because these are millennials, Gen Zs that are that are coming up. That everyone that like there's there's numerous books written about how how we can try to reach them, right? Um, but we've got two on our staff now um, that are in the process of learning. So um, and also there there's seminary has a different pace, right? Seminary has a different pace, and they are immersed in um doctrine and in theology and it's it's not only why do we do what we do but does do why do we believe that how how did we come to and how are we communicating what we believe with, within our church so even the the just the 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 elements of our worship service right um the elements of our worship service, we've we've been able to, to to get feedback and make some adjustments along the way. Now, there's also some humility that goes into that too, right? So we we've been we've been able to say now, just because it's a good idea, doesn't mean it's just going to happen as soon as you say it, right? Or uh, doesn't mean doesn't mean it's it's something that needs to be expressed, right? And so so how do we we? It's this kind of this back and forth of of expressing to them. Um, just timing, placement, um, and and understanding that that biblical knowledge isn't always the marker of spiritual maturity. And I think that that was that was that's something we we have learned. We we really learned and and kind of going back and forth. So our they stretch us, uh, they challenge us, uh, they have fresh eyes um, uh, on on the things that we do, um, and it has forced us. Uh, to make sure that uh, there's a level of consistency in everything that we do. So we, I, I love hearing, hearing uh, sometimes it's, it's an ouch, you know, sometimes it's an amen, sometimes it's an ouch, um, but it kind of, it kind of forces us to, to really make sure our, our processes aren't antiquated as we try to reach more people. That's really helpful. Um, as a last question, just what, if a church is wanting to start developing their young leaders in their church, um, or just for the church at large, what advice do you have, do y'all have on how to help support, equip, encourage young ministers? Just what what would you say to the church at large about that? That's kind of our final thought. I get, I, I can start. I, I'll start. I, I'll say first, um, make space for it within your church. Um, there, there's a there's a certain level of, of individual and corporate humility that comes along with um, developing and discipling another person, right? That is called to, to leadership, right? And so it was my experience in uh, at Progressive was so incredible because um, it was not just the senior pastor wasn't the sole person responsible for, for discipling the important to me. Mm. The church really gathered around and rallied around my development and they they viewed me as their son in the ministry and it was it was so incredible to experience right and so it's a it was a it was presented to them that this is this is us this is our project Aaron is ours and it's the same thing that we've tried to duplicate here at Concord so that's one thing i think the other thing is to when you when you carve out space you discipleship development takes time and it doesn't always look like sitting down and having a formalized conversation, but it may look like 
hey, get in the car with me. Let's go come with me to do this funeral. Come travel with me. Um, and, and, and just because ministry is more caught than taught. And I think that that that's an important thing, uh, too. And then thirdly, when it comes to, I think, developing this next generation um, of preachers is is this whole relational aspect. Right. Um, making sure that you are deeply engaged in uh, relate deeply relationally engaged uh, in their life, knowing them beyond their their job description. Right. Um, but also pushing them and encouraging them to form deep relationships with people within your congregation. Um, I, I just I just know I, I was sharing with Matt that we're, we're doing a series uh, teaching through the book of Revelation. Right. And re regardless of the, the seminary education, all those things, there is there is a group of of older ladies at Concord that know more Bible than I ever will know. And they sit and they are they are on their Zoom call. They they've been in BSF for 15 years. They've studied and, and, and it's this it's this humility. It's breeding the humility within that person, within the, the, the upcoming pastor, uh, our spiritual leader to let them know that, hey, um, education doesn't only come from the person with the title. It also comes with from people who have been diligent and walking with God each and every day. And I just believe that is how you develop a shepherd's heart um, and, and just really maintain the humility that it takes to last in ministry. And so those are, that, that's just, you know, my, my advice, uh, as my dad would say, my two cents uh, about, about what I think um, it, it takes to, the last thing I'll say, and this doesn't matter what, what size budget you have, but you got to carve out space in your budget too. Um, because, we know that um, you know what's in, we we find resources or we we build resources for what we think is important, and so we said it to our church, um, and it was said it was said when I was a pastoral resident says hey we need um, X Y Z to this so that this person doesn't have to worry about this doesn't have to worry about books doesn't have to worry about this so that they can maximize this time period in their life they've set aside to prepare for ministry. You know, you mentioned uh, that you were a son of the church, and I won't speak for everyone on here. The ones I know were largely in white church spaces, and I do think that's something the white church can learn from the black, the predominantly black church, traditional black, historic black church, is that concept of sons and daughters, fathers and mothers. Um, we use family metaphors a lot in all of our churches, but sometimes that we end at brother, sister, there is a commitment of a father and a, and a mother to sons and daughters in discipleship and leadership development, even before, far after they leave our church and go somewhere else that um, has taught me a lot. And, and I think it's something we can learn a lot from Concord and many other historic Black churches that they use that language, but more than use that language, they put that into practice. And um, anyway, that that's I think that's something we can we can learn and need to. And it's very helpful. Um, can, I, can I speak to that, too? Please. This, yeah. Mm -hmm. This I mean, the, the historic I have only let me just say this. I have only been been discipled and developed within the historic African-American church. But all of my theological training have come from mainline, predominantly white evangelical seminaries. Right. And so it's the merging of the two. But one thing I, I will to piggyback off of Matt's comment about it's a very high honor culture 
Um, but at the same time, it is, I've never met a pastor, um, a, a, a good one. The, 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 the thing that was repeated to me is that it's hard to lead others if you're not serving others, mm-hmm. right? If you're not you, you, if you want someone to, to be spiritually submitted to you, you have to be spiritually submitted to someone else. And it's just this, it's this whole concept of covering. And, and, and that was um, really instilled, really instilled in us um, when I was a pastoral resident. And so I, I think, thank you for, for acknowledging that. It's just something that um, the historic African-American church has always kind of done through its associate ministers program, like program, this invisible discipleship program but um but now being able to formalize it and partner with the, the academy i think is something that um you we we all learn from different from different types different denominational um and different historical backgrounds so so thank you for mentioning that uh, and it goes both there's a humility of the younger generation to accept that mentoring and to know I'm not the father yet. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, I may be pastor, oh, but I've got some growing. That's right. uh, it goes both ways there. I think yeah. that's really helpful. But and, Sonia, what, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just, I was, I was concurring with you and I agree with Aaron uh, on all the points that you have, Aaron, because these are the most important points. I grew up in that historic African-American church too, and I'm a daughter of the church. And there is, it, it does uh, speak in order there, an order of respect, an order of honor. Um, that the pastor is is the father of the church, and so we do. Uh, it does it does help, and it helps us with our training and our mentoring. Working with the young leaders in your church, it is to make space for them to be there, and to make space in the active running of the church. Um, and what we one of the things we have, we use a lot of different symbols to help uh, all of our cohort uh, participants remember certain principles. And what we have is a leadership square. And with the leadership square, it basically says, first you watch me do. And then after a while, you watch me do and work with me in doing it. Then after a while, I watch you do and I support you in that. And after a while, I just let you do that. And so we try to practice that leadership square with them. And within the active setting, you need to do that. In order to do that, you have to make space for them to be there. Um, you also have to have time, time with them, to share with them. And when we say time, it, it means like, as Aaron said, come go along with me. I want to sit and talk with you. You have to be willing to invest yourself into them and let them invest themselves into you and to form a close relationship with them where they can have confidences with you. They can trust that this this little community that we're forming is a supportive community. And the other thing that happens is if you bring a couple of leaders together along with uh, whoever's going to be doing the training with them, there is a learning that not only happens up and down in terms of from the participant to the leaders of the group, but there's learning that happens side to side, peer to peer learning as they share with each other about what they're experiencing, how they're experiencing it, and always keeping them saying, what is God saying to you? How is God impacting you? What is God leading you to do? Always keeping that as a central part of the questioning and the discussion that we're doing. So we wanna make sure that that happens. The other thing, as, as Aaron's saying, is to invest financially in them too. And as we said, in Uptick, you come, you pay for nothing. 
because they already have the challenges of having to pay for the seminary education they have. They probably have young families. So we need to be able to be generous with them, to teach them um, a spirit of generosity. Um, the church has that. And we should be sharing that, sharing in them with that so that they, as they go forward, they would do more sharing of the spirit of generosity. And I would also say that it's important for them to be able to have sacred spaces. Um, not only should we all talk together and practice together, but we should also pray together. And a lot of times we spend time praying together, listening to God together, sharing in community. What did God say to you? What are you hearing from God? And making sure that we are not only bound, as we say in the church, heart to heart and breast to breast, but we're also bad making sure that we're being bound uh, collectively together to God. So we listen to God collectively also. Matt, back to you. That's great. Well, Aaron and Sonia, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, thank you for your commitment uh, to invest in, well, the ministries that you have and part of that being to younger ministers and the kingdom effect that's having. Um, for those of you, uh, you know, whose churches are, are struggling with this, which is many of ours, because that's why we're having this, we're learning and we have a lot to learn. Um, I would just encourage you, yeah, what chips you have to cash in, what support you can give and cover you can provide, it is worth spending. Uh, and you may not see the fruit of it, but it, it will bear fruit uh, in the future of that church. And I did love Phil's point of the reciprocal nature of this. That's kind of why we wanted to set it up. Certainly we are investing in that younger generation, but they are also pointing the way for us and helping us. And it is a, it is a give and take here that is helpful um, and, and wonderful and certainly feels uh, both biblical and of the spirit today. Uh, well, thank you all for joining us today. I hope you have a wonderful week of ministry and life. Aaron and Sonia, thank you again for us. We'll see y'all soon. Bye, everybody.